The title of what I want to talk about, which I'll just shorten down now to a few points, is that God will get you where you're going. And um, I was sitting there yesterday just sort of contemplating life and, you know, And just thinking about about things, and you know, I know I think I shared this a few weeks ago, but I was talking with Dale, and I were talking about how God had about five paths at least for us to meet. You know, and she says, "Does that mean there's one person for?" I don't know. I don't want to get into all that. That's not my problem. That's God's problem. But there was one for me. He chose the best for me. So, basically, look, I'm God's favorite. That's all there is to him. His favorite child, and that's why he gave me the best wife. Yeah. I mean, who else puts up with husbands who wear shirts like this? Yeah. Uh, there's more to come next week. Don't forget crazy shirt next week. No, 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 no. got to go all out. Although I can do it all now if you want. Give me two minutes. We'll be, we'll be in there. But as I really reflected on, you know, people say to you, oh, you know, What's my purpose in life? What am I supposed to be doing? What if I miss what God has for me? And as I read the Christmas story, if you stay in faith, you can't miss what God has for you. You know, think about it. Have you ever thought about what it took for Jesus to be born, where he was born, and what happened? I mean, you're talking a crazy amount of stuff here, all right? Because you had to get all these people in the right place at the right time. First of all, you had to get this guy called Zacharias, his wife Elizabeth. They needed to have a child late in life. Why? So when Mary became pregnant, she had someone who understood what it was to be ridiculed. You see, Elizabeth and Zacharias were ridiculed because she hadn't had a child. And in that day, if you were an older woman and you were married and you hadn't had children, then people would actually gossip about you. Like, what's wrong with her? What's wrong with them? What have they done? (gasps) So she knew what it was to have people talking about her, to have people gossiping, to have people rejecting her because of her childless state. So when Mary gets pregnant, you know, the angel comes and talks to her. You know, there's just a whole other miracle. We'll put that one aside for a minute, you know. And she falls pregnant, but she's not married. She's got somewhere to go for the term of her pregnancy that's safe. Someone who understands what it is to have people gossiping. Someone who understands what it is to walk in faith even if you haven't seen it manifest. She's got this sanctuary to protect her. God set that up. Then she comes back. She tells Joseph. 
Joseph freaks out a little bit. I can go with that, you know. And he's got a choice. He has the right to drag Mary out into the street and have her stoned. Because she's pregnant out of marriage. But he's a guy that God's prepared beforehand who is a man of integrity, who is a man who has compassion. And his approach was just to deal with the whole thing quietly. And then he has a whole angelic encounter and, you know, it all works out. But God prepared the right guy to take care of her. All right, you'll get this. You'll get there. I sort of feel like it's bouncing a little bit, but we'll get there. So Jesus needs to be born in Bethlehem. You know how much, you know how far God will go to have his plan for your life happen? He will conduct a worldwide census, if that's what it takes, to get where you, where you need to be. Yeah, it's a day's journey from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, from that Galilee region. It's a day's journey. You can drive it nowadays in about two hours. But Joseph couldn't jump into his car. He had donkey power. You know? But God goes, excuse me, um, I need Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. There's a whole prophetic thing that goes with this and and it needs to have certain symbolism. So we're going to conduct a worldwide census so that Joseph and Mary end up in the right place at the right time for Jesus to be born. That's how far God will go to make sure you are where you need to be. So if you're going through a tough time, God's just getting you in the right place. He's just setting things up. Have you ever thought about that? That maybe God's moving some stuff because he wants you where you need to be. You know, that would have been a really unpleasant journey. A full-term pregnancy, riding a donkey. Think about that. And it's not this nice, smooth grass thing. We're talking over hills and rocks and, you know, stumbling, having to walk for a while because the donkey gets tired. But God had a plan. So when you're going through the rough time, he's just taking you where you need to be. They would have moved to Bethlehem earlier, yeah? <laughs> Joseph, we're moving down there, and you know. But God had a plan. And then he goes beyond that. Because, see, he knows that there's. He knows what the devil's out to do. You see, we, we give the devil too much credit. We think he's this great big thing to be afraid of, and, and some people don't want to say things because they don't want to upset the devil, or it's like wrong thinking. God knows Satan's plans because he's stupid. I mean, how stupid do you have to be to take on God and think you can throw him off? Seriously. How stupid do you have to be to be in heaven, a created being, worshipping God, going, hey, I can beat God. How dumb do you have to be? 
That's Satan. He's stupid. All right? God's a billion steps ahead of him. So he goes, you know what? I'm going to get this guy Herod. We're going to use a bit of the whole jealousy thing and the fear thing, you know, paranoia. We're going to kill Jesus. So what does God do? Two years before, he gets a bunch of guys who are hundreds, potentially thousands of miles away to follow a star and bring millions of dollars worth of gifts to lay at Jesus' feet so that Mary and Joseph got everything they need to go and live in Egypt for a while and then move down to Nazareth and set up house. And he sets his all up years before. Think about that. He took care of what they would need years before they even knew they would need it. You see, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he'll get you there one way or another. He'll get you there. You actually don't have to worry about his plan for your life. You don't have to worry about missing it. This is the biggest fear I find of people in church is that I'm afraid that I'll miss what God wants to do and upset him. You know what? You actually can't miss it if you walk in faith. The only way you miss it is if you step out of faith. The only way you miss it is if you go, you know what? I'm too scared to do anything, so I'm just going to stay in my little shell and stay here, and that's it. You do that, you'll miss what God has for you. But if you go, you know what? I'm just going to trust God every day. I'm going to walk by faith every day. You can't miss it. You might have to make him change his plans occasionally. But you see, God hasn't sort of got this whole, okay, at 10.01 you will do this. Then at 10.02, then you do this. At 10.03, then you do this. That's not how God works. He gave you a brain. He gave you a will. He gave you a mind of your own. <coughs> he knew that occasionally you'd hit it and occasionally you'd miss it. You know, life's a bit like baseball. Baseball's the only sport in the world. Sorry, Jar. But, but it, is, it is the only sport in the world where you get recognised for your misses more than your hits. You know, a, a, good, a good baseball, tell me if I'm right here, but a good, a good batter in baseball hits something, what is it, three out of ten? Yeah. Three out of ten is success in baseball. Yeah. <laughs> All right? <laughs> so you are a successful batter in baseball if you hit three out of ten pitches. Yeah. Wow. Safe hits. Safe hits, yes. <laughs> so that means that 7 out of 10 times you can get struck out, caught out, whatever it is that doesn't get you to first base and you're still successful. 7 out of 10 times you can fail and still be a hero in baseball. How cool is that? Huh? So we've got another uh, three teams. <laughs> <laughs> so Jar's recruiting after this. Yeah, you for your name. Yeah. 
But see, we, we th- see, this is why we have to change how we think in life. And this is why I think more guys play baseball than girls. Because like, like when guys apply for a job, you know, if a guy looks at a job description and there's 10 points, if he thinks he can hit four to five, he'll apply for the job. Whereas a woman will look about eight to nine. If she can hire eight or nine, then she'll tend not to apply for the job. All right? It's interesting, isn't it? You also know that 87% of stats are made up on the spot, but, you know, that's all right. Oh, 93, sorry, yeah. But, you know, life, life is, we need to think life more like baseball than anything else. You get three chances. You do. All right? You see, we, we focus, I, I, you talk to people and they, they're worried about missing it in what God has so much so that they don't, don't do anything, they don't step into anything. And they're going, I just want to know my purpose in life. Your purpose in life is to live a full and abundant life. That's actually your purpose. That's why Jesus came. He said in John 10, I've come to give you life and life abundant. Full stop. That's why Jesus came. He came to give you an abundant, full, overflowing life. And the only way you miss it is if you don't walk by faith. And don't walk in love. You get those two things right, you get everything right. And life is like baseball. You see, in baseball, you don't go around thinking, oh man, you know, no one thinks about Babe Ruth and goes, you know, Babe Ruth was a famous baseball player, you don't know? I, know. I know I'm using sort of American illustrations, but we can do this. We're, we're a nation that loves our sport, right? So we can do oh, this. <laughs> Everyone talks about Don Bradman's last innings. <laughs> I mean, the guy had to make four runs and he got out for a duck. If he, got, if he made four runs, he would have had 100 average. But the thing about like Babe Ruth, <coughs> people talk about Babe Ruth, they don't talk about all the times he missed. They talk about the times he hit. But think about it. He only hit three out of ten times. So your life is like baseball. You only have to hit three out of ten times and you're there. You see, we focus on our failures. We focus on where we don't make it. We focus on, you know, as the saying goes, the second mile, there's no traffic jams. Because we see on that first mile, when you hit a wall or things don't go your way or they don't happen, we step out of faith and we settle. Because that's what the world says. The world says, don't stick your head up. Don't push on. You can't do it. Our education system, our employment system, everything is set up to lock you into, even our finance system is set up to lock you into this. This is your life. Don't step outside the boundaries. And we'll tell you what to think. We'll tell you what to do. We'll tell you how far you can go. (coughs) And so when you push against that, you push against the spiritual forces. And Satan rears up his ugly head and he makes lots of noise. Like Herod. Herod made a whole lot of noise. He killed a whole lot of babies. But he couldn't touch Jesus. Now Mary and Joseph could have got afraid and said, oh, we don't want to go to Egypt. That's scary. And stayed where they were. And what would have happened? You know what would have happened? 
God would have had another plan to get around it. But they would have been in danger. And their own lives would have been in danger. And Jesus may have made it through, but there's no guarantee Mary and Joseph would have. You see, there's a cost. Of not stepping out in faith. But they stepped out in faith. They went to what was uncomfortable. They tripped off into Egypt. And God took care of it. You see, God has a plan for your life. And he will get you there even when you feel like it. And this Satan will raise his head like Herod raised his little head and made lots of noise and caused a lot of fear. And he will do that. He will try and get you afraid. Because you see, when you get afraid, you don't step out in faith and you don't walk in love. You pull back and go, <gasps> that's his plan. Because you see, when you step out in faith and you step out in love, people see Jesus. They see that you're different. And you start to be where God wants you to be. But you see, we grab onto our issues, or we grab onto our fears, we grab onto our past, we grab onto what's happened before, and we identify ourselves by those things, and we let them restrict us. Let me tell you something right now. This is really profound. I need you to really grab this. Because a lot of people really struggle with this and just can't grab this concept, but you actually can't change your past. Think about it. Everything you've done before now, you can't do a thing about it. You can't make a dent in it. You can't repair it. You can't change it. You can't do a thing about your past. So let it go. As the saying goes, when the horse is dead, it's time to dismount. It's, it's It's an old military saying. It's an old military saying. When the horse is dead, it's time to dismount. So if your horse gets shot, get off. It's not going to help you anymore. Move on to the next thing that's going to help you. Because people do it. The horse is dead and they flog it. Get up! Get up! Get up! It's dead. But that's what we do, isn't it? We sit with our past and we hold on to our past and we hold on to issues and things that have happened before and we go round and round and round on them and we flog them. They're already dead. You can't flog it to death because it's already dead. The past is dead. It's done. It's time to get off. (laughs) Visual people, let it impact. It's time to... Your past is a dead horse. Get off. You can't do anything about it. But here's, here's another profound thing, that your future is shaped by your past. So be careful what you do in the past. Think about it. Let it sink in. Your future is shaped by the past, right? So be careful what you do in the past. In other words, what you choose to do now is going to influence your future. But in the future, it's your past. 
We with that? We're intelligent people. We can work with this. All right? God has a plan for you. But you see, when he mapped out your life, he didn't map out every second. He gave you a choice and free will. And what I sense is that he gave you, there are certain points and places he wants you to be to be able to do what he has to do. The amount of times that I'm, in, I'm doing things, I think, why the heck am I doing this? Why am I here? And then in the middle of that, God shows you. I mean, I spent last week in, in, in Queensland. And um, you know, went over, did a couple of days of a conference and stuff. And then my boss was very generous. And uh, he said, look, you know, because I had to go and... I work in my own a team of one in WA, all right? And most other states have more than one. And so he said, look, we need you to go and shadow another person who does your role, so how about while you're in Queensland, we can do that. And I just mentioned my brother was there. He said, I'll tell you what, your brother's in Toowoomba. Why don't you day trip out to Toowoomba, go spend the day out there, stay overnight, then come back in. You go and see your brother, and you can hang out with one of the other coaches. And I said, cool, I can do that. I saw my brother for 45 minutes, okay? Because he was on night shift, so we caught up for breakfast and, you know, I had to go and then he had to go and have a shower and, you know, he'd been working all night and stuff like this. And So we, we had a good catch-up, 45 minutes. And I'm sort of going, God, that was 45 minutes. I came all the way to Queensland in this tin can plane. It was very small and squishy, you know. Yeah, sure, we did the couple of days, but I'm staying on for another three days and it's like this is getting to be a long weekend. But see, in the middle of all that, I'm hanging out with one of the other coaches. And he starts asking about church. And we start talking about Jesus. And we talked a lot about Jesus. See, God will put you where you need to be to do what he needs to do. You just have to walk in faith, walk in love. Because he's got an agenda that's bigger than you. He's got a purpose that's higher than you think. And he will put you where you need to be. He will get you where you need to go as long as you walk in faith. So you don't have to worry about where you're going. I'm not saying don't have a plan, don't have a purpose. Don't push into God and and get direction. What I'm saying is, are you walking in faith or are you settling? You know, I mean, we talk about Shara a lot at the moment, you know, six weeks and 45 days, days, she's out of here. (coughs) You know, and that changes dynamics for her, but it changes dynamics for us as well. I mean, she's been sort of running our worship for the last couple of years. All right, but it's been more. And it's sort of like, okay, so what happens in 45 days? And you know what? You've got a choice. We can either get afraid or we can step into faith. You know, last week, we did things totally differently. Isn't it amazing God was still here? In 45 days, yeah, things will be different. You know, we're seeing this, this hub starting over there. What does that mean? I don't know. That's not my problem. That's God's problem. You can get afraid. Is it mean Philadelphia going to be away all the time? Well, no. If we were going to move to Sydney, we would move to Sydney. But we're not. We're here. 
And we might trip over every month or two. But really it's Shara and the guys over there's problem, not mine. (laughs) (laughs) It's God's problem to work all that out. You see, you've got to watch out for the I'm going to control everything God's doing. What's he doing? I know some of what he's doing. I don't know everything. I've discovered that when I think I know everything, I really know nothing. As Paul says. And we're just taking it step by step. And we're going to rock in maybe every month or six weeks and say, hey, how are you going? And, and talk with the guys. You know, I've got a job that requires me to travel occasionally, so it sort of works. And then Dale will jump over and whatever. What does it mean for our worship here? We'll work it out. Heck, we'll all just lay on the floor and enjoy the cool tiles if we have to. That's why you married me. You see, when you start to stress the details, you step out of faith. When you start to try and control what God's doing, when you start to say, no, we can't, you start to block God. Because what you're saying is, this is my ceiling. This is my limit. And everybody's got a ceiling. Everybody's got a limit. The idea of your ceiling is to break it. Because you want to go higher. You want to go further. You know, God will get you where you need to be. He got Dale and I together. We could have been... I could have moved to Perth a year earlier, but I chose not to. We both got into the same uni. We never went, but we both got into the same course at the same uni. All right? That's how serious God is about putting people in the right place at the right time. And it's not our time, it's His time. You know, I'm sure Zacharias and Elizabeth were a bit annoyed at God's time because they're going, Are we ever going to have a baby? But God had a specific purpose and plan for them and for their child. John the Baptist had to be born, because that was their baby, at the right time because he was the forerunner for Jesus. You see, God's got a bigger plan. As long as we think he's forgotten us or we've missed it. But you know what? You can't miss it if you walk in faith and you walk in love. Because he says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. <coughs> so stay in faith. He's got a plan. He's got a way. When you see fear rising up, walk in love. That's how you beat fear. Because the opposite of fear is actually love. See, if you walk in fear, it removes love and it removes faith. And you start to become self-focused. That's what fear does. But when you engage in love, faith follows. Because you lose the focus on yourself and say, hey, God's got a bigger plan. Yeah, I remember sitting, I was sitting in the hotel room on Thursday night going, I just want to be home. You know, I had to wait till midday the next day to get on my flight. I'm just sitting there going, oh, I just want to go home. I can feel myself getting stressed. I have nothing. It was like, oh, this is ridiculous. And then God showed me what had been happening and the conversations we'd had 
and the connections are made. And he's doing stuff. And I was planting seeds the whole time. Because he's got a bigger plan. You know, I work with people in my job and it's funny when I hear about their stories about how they got to this point. And it's like, God will just do what he needs to do to get people where they need to be. And when you mess up plan A, he actually has a backup plan. And when you mess up that, he's got another backup plan. His alphabet's bigger than 26 letters. <laughs> so when plan A goes, he goes to B, C, D, and he keeps going past Z if he has to. That's how much he loves you and cares for you and has a plan and a purpose for your life. Your job is to walk in faith and walk in love. How do you walk in faith? You go, God, what do you want me to do? And you step into it, even though it scares the bejeebies out of you. Because fear is just false evidence that appears real. You know how many times you've been afraid of something and then you've gone and done it and gone, oh, that was easy. Because you play it up in your mind. All right, so stop living in the past. The horse is dead, get off. Start walking in love and start walking in faith. And God will get you where you need to be. Yeah? Let's pray. <coughs> Father, we want to thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for our life. That you have given us every good thing here, Father, and that the journey is a part of the joy of being where you want us to be. Father, forgive us when we've walked in fear and limited what you could do through us. Father, we release our past right now in the name of Jesus. We just let it go. We put it in your hands. Lord, the good, the bad, the ugly, we just leave it in your hands. We thank you that you've brought us to this point. And that you're taking us higher. And you're taking us further. That you are glorified through our lives. And we choose to step into what you have for us. That you will get us where we need to be. We bless you and we honour you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.